ONEUP Media. On February 18, 2003, the atmosphere in the Daegu subway control room was far from normal. Closed-circuit television monitors revealed a troubling sight, smoke billowing through Junggang-no station. The sensors were screaming a warning. Fire had broken out. For the subway officials, this scenario was unprecedented, but time was against them. Another train was inbound to the station. In a moment of haste, officials sent a message to the approaching train. Proceed with caution. There's a fire in the station. Little did they know, this cautionary advice was the prelude to a disaster. Meanwhile, at Junggangno station, the train operator received the message. Despite the smoke filling the air, the reassurance led him to believe the situation was under control. But as the train drew closer, the reality of the intense heat hit him. As the doors opened, a massive cloud of smoke surged into the cabin. Passengers could barely see, but the glow of an intense, uncontrolled fire adjacent to them was unmistakable. The train on the adjacent track wasn't just a blaze. It was a full-blown inferno. Reacting swiftly, the operator shut the doors, aiming to shield his passengers from the toxic smoke. Options dwindling, he addressed his passengers. Please remain seated while I contact my superiors for further instructions. Do not panic. Please stay seated. But there was silence. No immediate guidance came through. After three attempts to reassure his passengers, he finally connected with the command team. There was a brief moment of deliberation, a pause that felt like an eternity under the circumstances. Then urgency took over, and the advice came through. Clear, but frantic. Quickly, run somewhere else. Go up, go up. Kill the engine and go. Media. This is Mass Murders. On February 18, 2003, tragedy struck the Daegu subway system when a severely depressed Mr. Kim Dae-han boarded the train with two milk cartons filled with gasoline, intending to set it ablaze. A struggle quickly erupted as passengers noticed Mr. Kim's actions. One of the cartons was knocked over in the commotion, and the spilled gasoline caught fire. The flames spread rapidly, fueled by the subway train's polyurethane interior, a material known for its flammability and for emitting toxic, suffocating smoke when burned. As the train pulled into Junggangno station, the early passengers managed to escape offering a fleeting moment of hope amidst the chaos, before the situation took a dire turn. An incoming train on the opposite track halted right next to the engulfed carriage. Given the usual passenger numbers, 
It was feared that more than 180 people were on board, putting them in grave danger amidst the unfolding disaster. In the wake of the emergency, several safety protocols were expected to activate. Yet it became apparent that significant oversights in the platform's design compromised these measures. Under normal circumstances, the local power supply would be shut off in response to such a crisis, concurrently activating water sprinklers to mitigate the fire. Alarmingly, while the power was indeed terminated, it was revealed that the platform was devoid of any sprinkler system, a critical lapse in safety infrastructure. Furthermore, although fire extinguishers were present, their locations were not intuitively marked, rendering them virtually invisible as the station was quickly shrouded in dense black smoke. By now, the temperature on platform B3, the epicenter of the disaster, is estimated to have surged beyond a thousand degrees. This intense heat led to the combustion of nearly everything in its path, including facilities, signage, and the platform ceiling itself. At the heart of this inferno sat the newly arrived train. Its passengers horrified as flames began to invade their cabin. Back at the front of the train, the operator received a grave directive. Quickly, run somewhere else. Go up, kill the engine and go. Grasping the severity of the situation, he acted swiftly, opening the doors to make his escape as instructed. Under normal circumstances, the successful evacuation of even one individual would be a cause for relief. A life saved in the midst of a chaos. But there's one thing you must know. The operator, perhaps out of instinct or habit, turned off the master switch and removed the key from the train. This act, while routine for powering down the train, akin to turning off a car's ignition, had unintended consequences. It completely deactivated any onboard batteries that could power the train's door mechanisms rendering them significantly more challenging to open without specific knowledge or skill. This inadvertent action, meant to ensure safety, ironically introduced a new layer of complication for those still aboard, seeking escape from the escalating danger. On the platform, passengers from the first train frantically tried to escape. The dense smoke severely limited visibility. About half of all escapees could not see at all while a staggering 90% had only a meter of visibility ahead. Yet there was a glimmer of hope amidst the chaos. The daily routine of the train route meant that many of those caught in the morning rush at Jungangno Station were regular commuters. It was believed that their familiarity with the station layout could guide them to safety, relying solely on memory in the absence of sight. As they struggle up the stairs to the B2 level, a cruel revelation hits them. Metal shutters that weren't here before had collapsed down upon them, sealing off familiar escape routes. Confusion and panic likely set in as they confronted this unexpected barrier. How had their routine path to safety suddenly become a trap? In public spaces like malls and train stations, you might have noticed an oddly placed door that seems out of sync with its surroundings. 
while it might look out of place, this door is actually a critical part of an advanced fire control system designed for such environments. This system springs into action when high temperatures are detected, triggering a fire shutter to slam shut. The primary goal of this mechanism is to compartmentalize the building, effectively slowing down the fire spread from one area to another. This compartmentalization is vital as it provides precious time for people to evacuate safely. In the event of a fire, these seemingly random doors become the only means of escape. However, this well-intentioned system can sometimes create confusion among those trying to evacuate. Ideally, emergency lighting should guide people to safety. Yet, at Jungangno Station during the crisis, the emergency lights were found to be too dim. In the midst of thick black smoke, their weak illumination was insufficient to guide the panicked passengers to safety. Moreover, the station's ventilation system was not up to the task of handling the emergency. Instead of expelling the toxic smog, it allowed the smoke to remain trapped within the compartments formed by the closed fire shutters, significantly increasing the suffocation risk for those attempting to escape. As the fire spread from the B3 level to B2, the situation grew increasingly dire. About half of the trapped individuals resorted to feeling their way along the walls in search of exits, while others blindly followed the person in front of them, hoping they were headed towards safety. In the thick of the emergency at Jungangno Station, some passengers made a critical observation amidst the chaos. The smog, dense and disorienting, seemed to snake its way along a peculiar path. Turns out, the station's ventilation system, overwhelmed and ineffective, unwittingly directed the smoke along the escape routes. This accidental guidance became an unintended blessing, leading those suffocating from the smoke directly to the exits, and in turn, creating a trail for others to follow. As the survivors spilled out of the station, a ready and alert team of paramedics and rescuers was there to greet them, quickly administering first aid to those in need. The firefighters, now equipped with gas masks, were able to approach the heart of the inferno, battling the flames with renewed vigor. The fight against the fire was intense and prolonged, lasting three exhaustive hours before the situation was brought under control. Yet, the presence of toxic smoke required an additional two-hour wait before the rescue teams could safely venture inside to search for and assist any remaining survivors. At 3.30pm, as the smoke dissipated, rescue teams began their descent into the station's depths amidst the oppressive heat and humidity. Every surface was veiled in soot, particles hung suspended in the air, with the majority settled on the remnants of destruction. Descending to level B2, the teams encountered haunting evidence of the chaos. Smudged finger marks of desperation streaked the walls. It was a clear indication of a struggle for survival, a struggle that as evidenced by the burnt remains, not all managed to overcome. On reaching level B3, the extent of the devastation became even more pronounced. The surroundings bore the scars of intense heat, indicative of the area transforming into an inferno. There, a grim discovery awaited the teams. Although no survivors were expected, the sight of two cleanly burned train frames seated on the platform 
was profoundly unsettling. Everything was burned so cleanly that it resembled a cremation. The trouble now wasn't just bringing the victims out. It was identifying them when there's almost nothing left. In the aftermath of the catastrophic event, authorities embarked on a meticulous investigation to unravel the sequence of events. This effort involved extensive interviews with survivors, analysis of the limited CCTV footage available from the station, and examination of transcripts from conversations recorded during the incident. The thorough investigation revealed that the disaster unfolded when Train 1 erupted in flames, and Train 2, which had halted adjacent to it, quickly became engulfed as well. A pivotal finding emerged. The operator of Train 2 had been instructed to initiate an evacuation, but amidst the turmoil, exited the train, inadvertently removing the master key, which complicated the passengers' efforts to escape. Further complicating the escape efforts, the train's design inadequately highlighted the emergency latches, rendering them not immediately identifiable to passengers in a panic. Furthermore, the situation was exacerbated by the train's plastic furnishings igniting. The resulting intense smoke not only impaired visibility, but also likely melted the door mechanisms, severely hindering any attempts to force the doors open. The tragedy's magnitude was starkly illustrated by the discovery of up to 70 charred remains in a single carriage, many of whom were beyond recognition. To identify the victims, authorities had to cross-reference missing persons reports filed around the time of the incident, employing DNA analysis, among other methods, to determine their identities. The death toll reached an alarming 192, with an additional 148 individuals sustaining injuries. Estimates of property damage vary, but consensus suggests the restoration costs exceeded 35 million US dollars. In the aftermath of the devastating incident, as the enormity of the loss and damage became evident, pressing questions arose. People demanded to know how a single arsonist could inflict such catastrophic damage, why the station was so vulnerable to fire, and crucially, the whereabouts of the train operator during the tragedy. Authorities quickly scrutinized Daegu Metro's role in the incident and launched an extensive search for the missing train operator. For 10 hours, his whereabouts remained a mystery until he was finally located. Initially, the operator appeared cooperative. However, it soon emerged that during those critical 10 hours, he had been in communication with Daegu Metro personnel. This revelation raised eyebrows, prompting authorities to delve deeper. Their investigation hit another snag when they discovered gaps in the records of radio communications casting a shadow of suspicion. Adding to the intrigue, the master key, central to the evacuation debacle, was found securely locked away at Anshin Depot. Despite these oddities, allegations of tampering with evidence were assumed to be dismissed. Daegu Subway released the remaining missing transcripts, one of which contained instructions from the command room to the driver to kill the car and go. This piece of evidence fueled media speculation, casting the removal of the master key in a negative light. However, 
It was clarified that removing the master key was in fact a standard procedure during evacuations to ensure the train could not be operated by unauthorized individuals. As the weeks unfolded, the public was outraged over how Kim Dae-han, the perpetrator of the arson, managed to procure gasoline without raising suspicions. A clear oversight given regulations requiring gas stations to report purchases deemed suspicious. Yet more glaringly was the negligence displayed by the Daegu Metro Transit Corporation regarding safety standards. The train was found to be laden with combustible materials, and the fire safety systems were inadequately equipped to handle such a crisis. The call for accountability was loud and clear. The engineer of the second train, along with various drivers and controllers who failed to respond promptly, were handed prison sentences none exceeding five years. This verdict was divisive. Some argued for harsher penalties, while others pondered whether the responsibility rested solely on their shoulders, suggesting that perhaps scrutiny should extend further up the hierarchy. Kim Dae-han, the arsonist, received a life sentence instead of the death penalty, taking into consideration his mental instability. He passed away a year later, due to a deteriorating chronic illness. In response to the disaster, sweeping reforms were implemented. These included prohibitions on carrying hazardous substances on trains and enhancements to safety standards. Approximately 13,000 fire detectors were installed across the subway network, and each station was equipped with 220 gas masks. All the trains identified as fire hazards were replaced with models featuring flame-resistant materials and more obvious instructions for operating safety latches. The ensuing decade witnessed a transformation not just in Daegu's metro system, but across South Korea's entire subway infrastructure, driven by the lessons learned from the tragedy. By 2014, the efficacy of these reforms was put to the test. An arson attack by a 71-year-old man on Seoul Metro Line 3 was swiftly contained, resulting in no casualties and the fire being extinguished within 10 minutes. Mass Murders is a one-up media original. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. This episode was executive produced by Guang Jin, produced and written by Ethan Sam, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, with additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.